What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, and today it's a themed episode all about legendary director Steven Spielberg. I'll give you my top 10 movies of his of all time. In the movie review, we'll talk about his latest, The Fablemans, which is out in theaters now. And in the trailer part, we'll talk about the new Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer, which he actually didn't direct this one. It's the first one in the franchise he hasn't directed, but he's the executive producer on it. So if you love Steven's Spielberg, this is the episode for you. Thanks everybody for being subscribed. Shout out to the Monday Morning Movie Crew. That's everybody who listens on release day. And now, let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. About to get into my top 10 Steven Spielberg movies of all time. But first, let's talk about what makes a Steven Spielberg movie. There are a lot of big themes throughout his entire career, which has spanned decades now. And the thing about Steven Spielberg movies, and even when I start listing my favorite directors, I often overlook him because of how influential he's been over the years and how many different genres and how many different types of movies he has made that I forget all of these movies. I forget that they are all directed by one person. It doesn't even sound like that's something achievable. That is the great greatness of Steven Spielberg, I feel like he is 
film. Like he is the guy. If there's ever anybody who's up and coming, or even if like a kid has a video camera, it's like, whoa, Spielberg. That is how influential he is. He is just the gold standard. So what exactly makes a Steven Spielberg movie? I think it boils down to a few things. You always have to have the adventure. I think that is what he does best. That is his trademark. You have a lot of themes with family. A lot of his films, especially early on, revolved around child actors and the ability to get performances out of child actors is a very big accomplishment when it comes to filmmaking and he has done it the best and he has given some child actors some very amazing opportunities and amazing films that have really broken their careers from Drew Barrymore to Christian Bale and the list goes on and on so I think that also speaks volumes to him as a director you also have the big scores some of the most iconic themes ever in movies come from Steven Spielberg movies and that is very important because when we go back and watch these movies, it's not only the characters, it's not only the plot, it's not only the special effects and the cinematography, it's those scores that can instantly take us back to a place, especially because they're so big and cinematic, it makes us feel like we're kids again, and I think that is very important in all of his movies, from the sci-fi movies to the most dramatic movies, a killer score is always very important and always very Spielberg. Another thing about Steven Spielberg movies is all of his movie titles all have great logos and maybe it's something you don't always think about but I can picture every title in the logo so not only is he creating these great titles but he's also building brands he's building franchises and things that we just associate with his movies from the Indiana Jones logo, the Jaws logo, the E.T. logo, the Jurassic Park font, all of those things I find very memorable. And then some of the other things that you would associate and what makes a Steven Spielberg movie is Aliens from Close Encounters of the Third Kind to E.T. to War of the Worlds, all these movies. He just has an affinity with aliens and does it so well. And also Tom Hanks. He works a lot with Tom Hanks. It's a no-brainer. They just work together so well. It's like peanut butter and jelly. So that's what makes a Steven Spielberg movie in my eyes. Here are a few things you may not know about him. He was actually turned down by film school. After graduating high school, he moved out to Los Angeles and was rejected three times from film school because of his mediocre grades. He really wasn't interested in the academic side of college. He only wanted to be a filmmaker. So that kind of proves you don't really have to go to school for anything creative to get a degree. If you just want to go out and do it, that's probably the better road. He did go back years later to finish up that degree. And in his final paper, he just handed in the script of Schindler's List and got his degree. Well-deserved. He is the highest grossing movie director ever and has had several of the highest grossing films of all time. His movies have grossed more than any director ever, bringing in over $10.5 billion through his career. And he also faced some harsh criticism early in his career. I was talking about this on last week's episode about how Quentin Tarantino is calling out superhero movies. Spielberg faced that same kind of criticism early in his career because he found success at a very young age and he got a lot of criticism on his early movies calling them not art. Critics claimed that his movies were cynical and just spectacular cash grabs designed and made only to make money. So he didn't get respect 
early on, even though he was making all this money, making all these movies that people loved, it wasn't until he made movies like The Color Purple in 1986, Empire of the Sun in 87, and then of course Schindler's List in 93, where he was like, all right, you guys don't think I'm a real filmmaker? You guys don't think I'm actually making art? Here you go. And I think all throughout his career, he's gone back and forth between his signature adventure films and then later in his career got into really stretching his wings when it came to making movies about the Holocaust, the slave trade, civil rights, war, and terrorism. He is really a director who has done it all. So that's a little about him. And now let's get into what I think are the best 10 Steven Spielberg movies of all time. This is according to me and my relationship with his movies over the years. And I really battled with all these movies. So it's a very hard thing to do. There are so many movies. And my number 10, I went between two movies. I was almost going to put Schindler's List there, which is probably arguably, depending on what fan of his work you are, could be his greatest film. That is a powerful movie, a tough one to watch, and a very hard one to go back and rewatch. So I couldn't really justify putting that one as my top 10 if I'm picking for me personally. So at number 10, I went with The Lost World Jurassic Park from 1997. I feel like some people don't even like this movie. When I asked this question online, of course, everybody said the original one. I feel like this is one that gets forgotten. And the first one came out in 93, which I was two years old, but this one came out in 97. I was six. So I actually discovered this movie before I did the original one. And I just have so many great memories of watching this movie over and over again and I really love the action in this movie but I love that the technology progressed so much between the original and this one and I felt like the action was a lot more driving in this movie especially when it came to scenes around the T-Rex I thought I love the more screen time with the T-Rex in this movie and that's probably due to they did have the better technology. So this is a movie that became one of my staples of my childhood. I've easily watched this one more than the original. And I just love that Spielberg didn't try to just make the exact same movie that he did in the first one. So maybe all of the changes he did and the difference in tone didn't work for everybody. It was less driven by the kids in this movie. He didn't have some of the original cast back, but I just love The Lost World, so I put this one at number 10. At number 9 from 2005, I'm putting War of the Worlds. It's based on the H.G. Wells novel. I also love the scale of this movie. It had a $130 million budget, and that was very well used. I love alien movies. My favorite are alien invasion movies, and this movie gave me one of my best in-theater experiences in the 2000s. And even though the ending wasn't the most satisfying, I think all of the action throughout this movie, the performance from Tom Cruise, and you have your child actor star in this movie, Dakota Fanning, which is what put her on the map early on in her career. Spielberg was able to get some really good emotion out of her. A lot of it is her crying and yelling and screaming that adds so much to the movie. I love the way the aliens looked in this. I thought anytime they were on screen, it was very captivating. So even Spielberg aside, this is one of my favorite movies of the 2000s and one that I think still holds up pretty well. So at number nine, I'm going with War of the Worlds. At number eight, 
is one I've told you guys I'm not the biggest fan of. But collectively, all these movies definitely earn a place on the list. So I'm going with the entire Indiana Jones franchise at number eight. I think that's how I can greatly justify that even though I'm not a fan of one individual movie together, I can't deny what Indiana Jones has done for film and how significant all of these movies are. Of course, the original ones are the best and the ones everybody loves, but I even find the later ones with Shia LaBeouf enjoyable, even though they kind of went in a different direction, throwing in some aliens in there. I think that's what people were probably most upset about. But hands down, the Indiana Jones franchise has some of the most iconic images in movie history. The hat, the whip, the logo, and the score. Like you can't deny that score. You hear that and you know exactly what it is. You hear that and you get excited. And that is what Steven Spielberg does with the music in his movies. So at number eight, I'm going with the Indiana Jones franchise. At number seven from 2002, I'm going with Catch Me If You Can. I love the pairing of Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks to get them both at a very good point in their career. And this is a movie I wish I could rewatch for the first time because in general, I don't think this movie has the best rewatchability rate. But the first time you watch it, it is so exciting and all the twists and turns. I think that's something you experience for the first time and it's unlike anything else. I love that this movie is set in the 60s. So a lot of the costume design and look and feel and soundtrack of this movie just feel perfectly like the 1960s. Of course, it is based on the quote unquote auto biography of this guy named Frank, which over the years, a lot of this stuff has come out that it's been very exaggerated, but I think it plays so well into making a movie about it. So even if it isn't completely true to what actually happened in this guy's life, it makes for a highly entertaining movie. I also love the score in this movie and it makes it feel unlike anything else that Steven Spielberg had done. When you put all of his movies on a list, this one just kind of has an entirely different playing field. And because he's touched on history before, obviously, but it's not really dramatic history. It's a very cat and mouse style movie. So when looking at all his movies, this is one I look back on and forget like, oh, yeah, he did direct that movie because it's so unlike any of his other work. It's not family based. There's no aliens, but it is a great thriller. So at number seven, I'm going with Catch Me If You Can. And number eight, we'll keep Tom Hanks in it from 1998, Saving Private Ryan, which is arguably the greatest war movie ever made. It's a perfect blend of violence and showing the rawness and reality of war that we had never really seen up to this point in a war movie. It is probably one of his bigger masterpieces. Like pound for pound, I think this is a masterpiece because you get the emotional side of it and you also get all the graphic images which were brutal to watch. It's a very hard film to stomach at some points, but I love that realness and rawness that it captured. And I think that's credit to the filming style in this movie. I love the handheld camera scenes, which really captured that chaotic energy of war. And then you also have a perfect score in this movie as well. You mix that with a stellar cast and Steven Spielberg behind the camera. It's a perfect movie. 
So at number six is Saving Private Ryan. At number five, we've entered the top five here. From 1991, I am going with Hook. This is the best Peter Pan story we've ever had. And the scale of this movie in 1991 is highly ambitious from the set design, all the costumes, and how large the cast is. And not only how large it is, but how many child actors that you have to get all of these performances out of. It is an incredible feat in itself. But then you have one of the greatest comedic actors of all time showing all sides of what he can do well. Robin Williams is perfect in this movie. Probably pretty close to my favorite movie of his of all time. And this is a movie that I feel like everybody should watch in their lifetime if you haven't. How could you have not have seen this movie by this point? And I think what made this movie great specifically is Steven Spielberg put a lot of himself into it. And that's what really makes the story play out so well. And you also have another epic score in this movie. Not to mention it came out in one of my favorite years of all time, 1991, which also happens to be when I was born. So I have an affinity for those films as well. So at number five, I'm going with Hook. At number four, I'm going with E.T. the Extraterrestrial, which came out in 1982. I believe that this movie, above anything else that he did, created the blueprint for filmmaking. If you want to know how to make a movie, you have to go back and watch E.T. It has all of my favorite things that you get from Spielberg. You have aliens, you have adventure, you have iconic imagery, you have these amazing child actors with Drew Barrymore, and you have some of the most famous shots that Steven Spielberg has ever done in any of his movies. And the most iconic moment of all time that he has given us is with E.T. and Elliot flying past the moon which actually has no digital trickery to that shot. Almost every part of that scene was shot right on camera. That's all lighting and camera work. They used actual astrological charts to find the perfect time where there would be a full moon sitting among these low trees in that right spot. And then Elliot and E.T. were made into scale models. But the rest of that was real. So that is filmmaking. This is one where you just hear that music and you automatically feel like a kid again. So at number four from 1982 is E.T. At number three is a very important film for many reasons. It is the first summer blockbuster of all time. And the movie from 1975 is Jaws. This is Steven Spielberg's monster movie. The one that started his entire career. He had had some success in some other projects, but this was his first major movie when he was 27 years old. It went on to be the highest grossing movie ever and an instant classic, even though there were so many problems when making this movie. It was shot on location out at sea, so you can imagine how hard that was to get the shots without any other boats in the water. They build this animatronic Jaws, which they didn't test in salt water. So once they had this thing out into the water, they realized there were a lot of difficulties with that. But a lot of those issues made this movie great and created something that I think now the best horror movies use. And that is not showing and revealing the monster until the very end and just giving you these brief little moments of terror to really build that intensity, to build that tension and suspense. That is what Jaws did so well and now is my favorite thing 
when a director can nail that. And Steven Spielberg is credited for that. And since it was the first summer blockbuster ever, now every major movie that comes out in the summer, without knowing it, you have to give credit to Jaws. It made that summer event become a thing. So now every Avengers movie or Jurassic Park movie, even though he's not directing those anymore, anything major that comes out in summer blockbuster season owes it all back to Jaws. And it also has one of the most famous themes of all time. So at number three from 1975, I'm going with Jaws. Moving up now to number two from 2018, I'm going with Ready Player One. I love this movie because Steven Spielberg is a nerd and this shows that it is a nerd movie made by a nerd. Only somebody with glasses that thick could make this movie. And this story takes place entirely inside a virtual reality world and a little bit out into the real world. But this movie is so visually stimulating and the sound design is amazing. I love the pop culture references. And even though this is a new movie set kind of in this distant future, it is oddly nostalgic with all the references to old video games from our childhood from the 80s and 90s and 2000s, I think is his best sci-fi movie that he has made because it blends all of the things that I feel really define nerd culture. And I don't like it when people who aren't nerds try to depict what nerd culture is. But since he is a nerd, he got this movie right. And I can't wait for part two, even though there isn't a release date on that yet. Since this movie came out in 2018, I can only imagine how much has advanced in those four years to make it even more stellar. And not only that, I think this movie proved that Steven Spielberg still has it. He directed this movie when he was 72 years old. He's 75 now. But it just kind of shows you that he has consistently stayed sharp and consistently been able to push himself. So at number two, I'm going with Ready Player One. Before I get to my number one Steven Spielberg movie, here are a few that you guys sent in on social media. The Terminal from 2004, which is a great movie. I think I've heard some people actually hate The Terminal, but man, that movie is so good too. Probably would have cracked my top 15. A lot of people sent in The Goonies, which he actually didn't direct, but he did do the story for The Goonies. I didn't want to include any of the movies that he produced or just wrote. I just wanted to focus on the movies he directed. But if I would have combined all those together, that easily would have made the list, but he didn't direct that one. Close Encounters of the Third Kind from 1977. A lot of people sent that one in. That's also one of my favorites, but I think when it comes to all of the movies that deal with aliens. I just like War of the Worlds and E.T. more than that movie, but that movie is still really great from the movies in his early work. Of course, you also have The Color Purple, AI from 2001, Minority Report, and the movie that just missed my top 10, Schindler's List. And now, if you haven't been able to figure it out by now, at number one from 1993, I have the best Steven Spielberg movie of all time being Jurassic Park from the first time I heard this theme song. I have a lot of core movie memories, and this one is pretty vivid. Even though I saw The Lost World before I saw the original Jurassic Park, there was still something so magical the first time you see the dinosaurs in this movie. And it's from this moment that I became 
a true Steven Spielberg fan. And I think where this movie really kind of showed how he pushes the boundaries is almost all the technology was created just for this movie. And if you go back and watch it, you can tell that it's not perfect. But at the time, it was so advanced. And this was just such a major event for people to go watch in theaters. I wish I was able to experience that more. I wish I wasn't two years old and had no idea what was going on. But this was an event. This had parents taking their kids out of school to go watch a movie. That doesn't happen anymore. And it did blend that 3D technology that was basically being formed as they went along to get these shots. This movie came down to the wire because the technology did not exist, but it blended that with the actual use of animatronics. And I think those are still some of the shots that hold up so well in this movie when it comes to the scene in the water with the T-Rex at the gate. I still think that is an incredible feat and one that still holds up. Another one that kind of like Jaws back in the 70s had some complications because what they built that T-Rex out of didn't do so well in water. It took them a while to get that right. But you have the perfect cast in this movie. You have the perfect score and it made us all love dinosaurs, which I still haven't quite figured out what makes dinosaurs so cinematically satisfying. Maybe it's because we were never alive to see dinosaurs and seeing them on screen makes them feel like they are so much more real and putting that kind of juxtaposition of seeing something prehistoric in our times makes for a truly magical experience. I also think that's why I really love The Lost World is because they brought the T-Rex into a real life city, which made it even more chaotic. And I love that part of that. But I think when it comes to really capturing what Steven Spielberg is all about, you find it all in Jurassic Park, building a world that is something we have never seen before. You have the use of technology, but not only that, you have great storytelling in Jurassic Park, memorable lines, an incredible score, and one that has truly stood the test of time and spawned one of the most memorable franchises in movie history. So there you have it, my top 10 Steven Spielberg movies of all time. Let me know if you agree or disagree with some of those picks, which ones you think I should have mentioned, which ones you think deserve an honorable mention. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Mike Distro, or send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. Let's get into a spoiler-free movie review now. I want to talk about The Fablemans, directed by Steven Spielberg. The movie is semi-autobiographical, and just after watching the trailer for this movie for the very first time, I knew it was going to be something special, but man, is this movie a love letter to cinema. It is... One of the best movies already I've seen of the year easily already entered my top five, and I want to tell you why. But before I get into my full spoiler-free movie review, here's just a little bit of the Fableman's trailer. Movies are dreams that you never forget. You dismiss what he does. It's playful or imaginative. You could afford to be a little encouraging. You can't just love something. You also have to take care of it. It's more important than your hobby. Can you stop calling it a hobby? Mom got a monkey. Why'd you get a monkey? Because I needed a laugh. So this movie, it's about a character named Sammy who is based on Steven Spielberg. And he calls this movie semi-autobiographical, mainly because he didn't really want to promote a movie 
about himself. Maybe he felt it was a little bit too self-indulgent. He isn't that kind of a guy. So I find respect in that. But the movie is so accurate of what actually happened in his life. So even if you go back and watch some documentaries about Steven Spielberg, read his interviews, all of this stuff he has talked about throughout his life. And he's just put it all into a movie and embellished some things to make it a little bit more cinematic. But all of the themes regarding his family, regarding how he got into filmmaking, regarding his parents' divorce, all of that actually happened. So almost scene for scene, plot line for plot line, you are learning about Steven Spielberg's life. And the movie starts with him as a kid. His parents go to take him to his very first movie ever and that is kind of where his passion first begins his parents take him to watch the greatest show on earth and that's where it all starts and that is actually the first movie that steven spielberg ever watched and as a kid he was so enthralled by it and his mom is very encouraging of his passion for making movies but his dad is not he is an electrical engineer and throughout the entire movie, you see this theme come up again and again because his dad doesn't want him focusing on movies. He keeps calling it a hobby, makes it sound very insulting, and it is hard for Sammy in the movie to form a relationship with his dad because he really just makes so little of his passion and he doesn't see that he is trying to make this his goal in life like this is what he was set out to do even though he's a good dad he is a really involved dad tries to be there he just doesn't really get it because he is this very straight-laced engineer guy so I found that relationship throughout the entire movie to be pretty interesting I feel like it would be kind of if you made this movie today it would be a kid wanting to be a youtuber and their parents being like well you can't really do much with youtube so you should really kind of go to college and focus on studies and you know youtube is just a hobby but now we see it is possible so back in the day filmmaking was probably youtube now even though i still hope that the kids out there who want to be filmmakers and i would highly encourage if you do have a kid who is interested in making movies interested in making youtube videos they should definitely watch this movie i wish this movie came out when i was 10 years old around that age that's what i wanted to do i wanted to be a film director i remember my brother had this old VHS recorder video camera and we would make movies, oftentimes like kung fu movies, horror movies. And then later in life, I was able to get like a DV camera with those little small tapes and I would make movies and it was always kind of my passion that I would kind of follow and I wanted to do, but I realized how hard it was and I also didn't really have anybody around me telling me that it was a possible thing to do. And it all kind of comes back to Sammy in this movie and how all of these things in his life are very chaotic. As the movie progresses, in the very start of this movie, he has a very picturesque portrait of a family Almost like it looks too perfect, but as you go through the movie, things start to get more and more difficult and more and more real, and you start to realize all the problems that they actually have and how the relationship changes between his parents. So in a way, filmmaking is kind of the only constant that Sammy has in the movie because it is the only thing he can really control. And man, have I not related to something so bold in a movie before, whether it be doing podcasts or me doing comedy or doing anything creative, when I feel like in my life, oftentimes it is anxiety that just 
ruins everything good in my life but i feel like if i can have some kind of control over something where i am dictating things it makes me feel in control so doing this podcast writing jokes for me that is me being able to control things in my life and i think that is why i gravitate towards my passions so seeing that depicted in a movie like this i was like Wow. And I just felt like, hey, I have something in common with Steven Spielberg. This movie looks a lot different than any other Steven Spielberg movie. And with a subject like this being based on his life, you feel like it could be so self-indulgent. And I think that's partially why he didn't call it just a straight on biopic autobiography. But the thing about Steven Spielberg, he always has the viewer in mind. And this movie reminded me of that because the movie does cover him as a teenager making movies. And it shows that entire process of him getting the camera, talking about the film, showing the editing process. And to a normal viewer, maybe that could be kind of boring. I could see how easily you can make a movie like that and it'd be very boring. But that entire process he makes feel so magical. And I think my favorite parts in this movie were the moments where he was filming a movie, editing a movie, and then you see the final product. And just knowing that Steven Spielberg took a risk on that but completely nailed it. And you really learn a lot about what shaped him as a director, how he tried to make things interesting, and how innovative he was even as a teenager. I think one of my favorite scenes, again, was during that filmmaking process, he was making this kind of shootout Western movie. And during the editing process, he realized that some of the gunshots didn't seem accurate. He's like, that looks fake. No one's going to buy that because it looks fake. And then he figures out and gets inspired on how to make the gunshots look accurate. And I thought that little detail was perfect in this movie. So it shows that he had that passion early on, even while making these very, very low budget rudimentary films. He already had the vision. He was on his way to become Steven Spielberg. And then you get into the actors in this movie. Paul Dano was great, and you just see the range on him. He is one of my favorite actors. I mean, to go from playing the Riddler in the Batman to the father in this movie just shows that he really has no restrictions on what he can do. He can be a convincing father, and he can be an all-out psychotic villain. I love Paul Dano as the casting choice of the dad in this movie. Michelle Williams, who is another treasure, I think gives one of her best performances of her career. She'll easily be nominated for Best Actress, so I don't think that's a stretch in saying that. But I think she could finally win an Oscar with this performance. I think she gave the best one out of anybody in this cast. Also, I have to mention Seth Rogen. I haven't mentioned his performance in this. And how cool of him to be able to get into a Steven Spielberg movie. And you kind of forget that he's a really good actor. I know we just associate him with comedies. And even though his character is funny in this movie, he really proved to me that he has those acting chops as well and can stand up with people like Michelle Williams and Paul Dano and not look out of place. You also have Gabriel LaBelle as the young Steven Spielberg, who is a really great new talent. I thought he also did an excellent job in this movie. And then you have Steven Spielberg as director. Again, I don't think it's a stretch in saying that he'll be nominated for Best Director. Probably win that one. But I think The Fablemans easily has a shot at winning Best Picture this year. And even at the two and a half hour range, I thought I would have been a little bit tired of a movie that's really just a coming of age story, a family drama 
Very rarely does a movie like that, to me, warn a two and a half hour runtime. But I have to tell you, I did not want this movie to end. It was so magical, visually so appealing to me. It's like candy for the eyes. It's like chicken soup for the soul. You know, those old poetry books from back in the day. It is all the things that I look for in a movie. I will say the only thing I wish this movie would have had and the thing I thought it was going to be a little bit more about was him as a kid. And at the start of the movie, it does focus on him using his siblings as subject in his films. And I found that part of the movie to be so heartwarming. It had a little bit more of a comedic tone. So I think if it had more of that, I would have said it was a completely perfect movie so if i had to give this movie a rating it is so close to being perfect but i give it 4.5 out of 5 film reels for the fablemans hey this is jody sweeten from the podcast how rude tanneritos as a nostalgic voice from your past i'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024 you deserve to get away it's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I'm late. I'm late. Three very important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com it's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. Continuing the theme of Steven Spielberg, let's talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which Disney just dropped the trailer to this. It's coming out in theaters on June 30th, 2023. It is Harrison Ford back as Indiana Jones in the fifth installment of this franchise. And not only that, it's going to be his last time ever to play Indiana Jones. And I think above all else, I just love a finale in a movie franchise. A finale to anything, really. I just love a finale. It can even be to a TV show that I've never seen a single episode of. But I just want to tune in to find out how they decided to wrap up an entire franchise. So I think going into this, that's kind of why I'm excited about this Indiana Jones movie. Because it's cool to see Harrison Ford at 80 years old still playing one of the most iconic characters of all time. And I think after watching this trailer, I can find myself really enjoying this movie and quite possibly being my favorite one they've ever made because it has all of those elements working towards it. I just love an epic conclusion. So we'll talk more about it, but here is just a little bit of the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer. I don't believe in magic, but a few times in my life, 
I've seen things. Things I can't explain. And I've come to believe it's not so much what you believe. It's how hard you believe it. There's that epic score. Just hearing that in this trailer makes you feel a little warm and fuzzy inside. Makes me feel like a kid again. And I think it's just seeing Harrison Ford back in the iconic hat with the whip and seeing him in action in this and knowing that he really worked hard to be a part of this movie. He even saw some injuries while making this movie. So just credit to him. I think he is a national treasure and one we really need to value and protect at all costs because of all the epic, iconic characters he has done in his lifetime. Indiana Jones would probably be enough for just one person, one role to be remembered by, but he has that. He has Star Wars. He has Blade Runner. The list goes on and on of all these most famous movies that he has been in and continues to do. So seeing him come back and wrap it up and wearing the hat for one last time really makes this movie an event, and that is what I'm all about. I'm all about movies that can create a spectacle, and that's even though Steven Spielberg isn't directing this movie. It's the first film in the franchise that neither he has directed or the story has been written by George Lucas. Spielberg and Lucas just served as executive producers on this movie, which is still important, so I still feel like he is still attached to it. He was directing it at one point but now it is directed by James Mangold who has also done movies like Copland, Girl Interrupted, Walk the Line, The Wolverine, and Logan in 2017 so I feel like we're in good hands here with him and in this movie we find Indiana Jones in what appears to be the same kind of format we've seen throughout the franchise and now he is set on this mysterious artifact the Dial of Destiny which presumably possesses some power to change the world. You have him fighting the Nazis again in this movie, and the movie seems to be focused on his character kind of getting sucked back into another adventure with some new faces along the way. And Harrison Ford himself said that the movie has a lot of mystery, it has a lot of adventure, which is expected, but maybe this movie has the most heart out of any installment in the franchise to date. And I think that is what I am the most invested about and curious about in this movie. I think whenever he returned to some of his biggest franchises in recent years, like Star Wars, like Blade Runner, that is kind of the moment I looked for. It's kind of that cross between the movies we grew up with and now as adults later in our life that we really identify with. And I think that's what's going to make this movie special and what's going to make it memorable. And I hope it goes out on a high note. The interesting thing that I was looking forward to seeing and we got a glimpse of it in this trailer was the de-aging technology they used on Harrison Ford in some of the flashback scenes. They make him look like the younger Indiana Jones that we know from the other movies. And I thought it actually looked really good some of the best use of that technology that i've seen in just that brief little screenshot moment from the trailer but in some other movies it hasn't been completely right i remember watching the irishman where they use that technology a lot on robert de niro felt it looked a little bit cartoonish and kind of took me out of that movie but i think they have it down now so it doesn't seem like disney is cutting any quarters on this movie again indiana jones and the dial of destiny comes out on june 30th 2023 it's sure to crush so many summer box office records next year. Just don't try to go too all out and show up to the movie theater with your old whip. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park.
And that's going to do it for another episode here of the podcast. But before I go, I got to give my listeners shout out. And today I am going over to Instagram and a lot of people were posting their top five most listened to podcasts of the year. And I wanted to share a couple people who tagged me in their Instagram story because Movie Mike's Movie Podcast made their top five of the year. So shout out to Keegan O'Donnell, who I was number five on her list of most listened to podcasts of the year. And I was in good company because a lot of other podcasts that I work with were in the top five, including 25 Whistles, Sore Losers, and at number one was the Bobby Bone Show. That is a solid top five there, Keegan. So shout out to you. And also shout out to Cassie Dolan, who I came in at number four. And the Bobby Bone Show also came in at number one. So Cassie and Keegan, I am incredibly biased, but you both have fantastic taste in podcasts. If you are listening now and I also made your top five, be sure to post that and tag me in it. I'll repost that and give you a shout out in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this journey of Steven Spielberg this week. If you did, let me know what other director I should cover and I'll go all in on my favorite movies of theirs. Give me somebody with a lot of great movies. And until next time, go out and watch good movies and I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.